At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The Love Food Podcast is brought to you in partnership with my PCOS and Food Peace course. Finally, free yourself from endless PCOS fatigue, frustration, shame, and guilt. For PCOS sufferers who are tired of ineffective diets and unhelpful advice, join me on a PCOS and food peace journey that will change your life forever. Grab all the details at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. Starting on Valentine's Day until the end of the month, grab 30% off using the coupon code LOVE2021 at checkout. Again, get 30% off using the coupon code LOVE2021 starting Valentine's Day through the month of February. Get all the details at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi and welcome to episode 237 of a Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. Today's episode is for you if you have ever considered yourself now or maybe in the past as addicted to food. Have you ever referred to yourself as a food addict or maybe consider yourself emotionally eating or stress eating and just so stuck in the loop and feeling at a loss and that you're just too obsessed with food. If those are phrases that you connect with, I seriously, I was thinking about you as I put this episode together. We have a letter from someone who feels that way. And it's a really common experience. I think that's the way that the world is framing eating, I don't know, in abundance or eating certain foods or gaining weight or doing things like that. It's considered this big no-no and that maybe you're doing it wrong. I want to sift through some really important parts of the human physiology, the, the common parts of the human experience that I think can shine a light in different areas that just have never really been discovered in your relationship with food. One thing I want to mention is that this episode is being released, if you're listening in real time, you know, the last week in February, and this will be the last episode until the beginning of April. I need to take a few weeks off just to catch up, and April, I will be back. April and May will be the last two months of season five of the Love Food Podcast, and so I need to 
get some more episodes under my belt so we can release them. So yeah, I'm going to take a a few weeks off just to catch up, but I cannot wait to share with you those next episodes. I have scheduled some really amazing interviews with guests that I think you're going to find some new different insight from, but just know I won't be around in the month of March, but I will be back all shiny and new (laughs) figuratively in April. But before we get to this episode's letter, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. If you have been diagnosed with PCOS, I know that you've been told you have to diet in order to manage the condition. And I don't want PCOS to be associated with that four-letter word anymore. I know you've experienced these really intense carb cravings. You're always tired and pressured to eat less and move more. It's such a shit show what they expect you to do. There is another way. My PCOS and Food Peace course was created just for you. After working with thousands of people with PCOS, I have put together a food peace framework just for people with PCOS to feel more at home in their body and also manage the symptoms in the way that you want without diets. Yes, there is a way. This course includes 12 self-paced video modules. What does that mean? Well, you get access to this course right away, every single module. You can do it at your pace and you have lifetime access to the course. That is something that's really important to me because we know that diet culture, although we're working really hard to dismantle it, remove it, it's not going anywhere right now. So I want you to be able to use these modules whenever you need them. The course also includes a workbook, lots of handouts, things to help you along your journey. And my favorite, we have live monthly group coaching calls. I'm also going to be increasing the amount of group coaching calls. And there's also going to be a private PCOS and food peace podcast as a part of the course now too. So Grab all the details at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. Don't forget, starting on Valentine's Day, that's February February 14th in the United States, until the end of February, you can get 30% off the course. What you do is just use the code LOVE2021 at checkout. So again, it's 30% off using the coupon code LOVE2021 at checkout. Dear Food, I know exactly when our journey began. I had an abnormally skinny ballerina body and had gained a few pounds over the summer. I knew what I had to do. My parents always did diets, so I figured it was just a part of growing up. Little did I know that losing those few pounds would lead to a horrible relationship with you and an unhealthy amount of weight gain. I used to not think about you. When I was bored, you weren't the first one I went to. You were fuel, not addiction. Never in a million years would I have thought I would be where I am now. I have drifted so far and our relationship is so weak. I hate you, but love you at the same time. You control me and I cannot contain myself around you. I'm addicted. You control my thoughts and take up my whole life. The more I pull away, the more I am attracted to you. 
I'm not sure why I go to you. Maybe it's my low self-esteem or my body image issues or my constant want and need to look like society's beauty standards. I feel that you are an escape. I have to run from my toxic thoughts about my body because no one else. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cares. I feel like I cannot even continue my daily life because of the hold you have on me. I hate myself because of you, but I can't stop going back to you. I've tried to limit you, but our relationship seems to get worse and worse. You were enjoyable. Now I dread you. I'm fearful of what you will do to me. I'm fearful of how far I will go with you. You used to be a natural instinct that didn't matter to me. Now I can't go five minutes without wanting you or thinking about how you ruined me. I guess the truth is you aren't the problem. It's me. I abuse you. I hate myself, so I become overwhelmed and run to you. I'm not sure why I go to you. It seems counterproductive, but I'm in hopes of finding out why you have such a hold on me. I'm guilty after going to you. I am humiliated, even if no one else knows. All I want is a healthy relationship with you and my body so I can move on with my life. Sincerely, a girl who needs help. I really appreciate your note letter writer. What you are mentioning about how you're connecting to food, the push, the pull, there are many people listening, maybe even you listening right now, that can relate to that. It's a really common experience. And so I hope my uh, next few minutes helps you to clarify your next steps. And as I was reading your letter, I was connecting to the part that this feels really, really hard. And at times it's getting in the way of like daily living. And so while I'm going through some information, I just want to reiterate that this podcast and any podcast that I record and probably every podcast (laughs) that you may listen to, we're not a replacement for your individual dietitian or therapist or doctor. Um, you know, I am a dietitian, but I'm not your dietitian. And so while this may be educational and informational for you and for you, the listener, it doesn't replace individual care. So if you are working with someone individually, which I would encourage you and anyone listening, if you have access to working with an individual clinician, that maybe bring this to them and sort this out for you. So like I said, many people start their food peace journey describing their relationship with food as an addiction. And while I'm not someone to argue with how they describe their relationship with food, because honestly, you get to define it. I don't. I'm just a partner on your journey. I'm just someone that's um, sitting alongside you and witnessing 
how you're exploring your journey. I'm not someone that gets to define it ever. But one thing that I have noticed is as people sift through the relationship with food and reconnect some disjointed parts, they no longer want to describe themselves as a food addict. And so there are some exercises that I have found to be helpful for people in that space. So for you, letter writer and listener who maybe has described yourself as a food addict, I hope this is helpful just to help you feel again, just like less disjointed in this food peace journey for you. So this kind of mind exercise that I'm going to be taking through next, I did not invent. Um, I actually learned it from Kathy Cater, who's a therapist and author of the book Healthy Bodies Curriculum. I have found it to be a really useful kind of prompt and again, like mind exercise as we connect to how we relate to food and how it's gotten all twisted up over time. So if you're interested in knowing more and just more from um, Kathy, definitely check out the book Healthy Bodies Curriculum. I'm putting it on our food peace syllabus and it will be in the show notes right now. So what Kathy Cater teaches is that as humans, we all, all of us that are alive, have five basic needs that sustain life. There are five basic things that we all need to do, and you probably can name a number of them or maybe all of them right now. And no matter like where we are in history, um, how evolved we are, how privileged we are, we all need five basic needs. And if we don't get these five basic needs, there are very predictable kind of things that happen that when we don't meet them, that our body will do, that our mind will do to help us just to stay alive. And those five basic needs, first is just air, like oxygen to breathe. We also need sleep. We need water. (laughs) We need warmth. Sometimes people refer to that as shelter. So we have air, water, warmth, sleep, and last is food. We need these five basic things in order just to stay alive. If we don't have one of those five, we will die. And our body will, again, go through these very predictable kind of experiences when they are not getting enough of one of these things. And so what I would encourage you to imagine is what if you didn't get something like enough water. I know for me, when I used to go and visit my in-laws who lived in Arizona, and I live um, in a climate that is very humid. Um, I live in the southeastern part of the United States, and my in-laws used to live over in Arizona, which was in the middle of the desert and very dry. And I would take a long flight to go visit them and get there and um, They would pick us up at the airport, we'd go to their house, and that 30-minute drive from the airport to their house, in that 30 minutes, I would just be so thirsty. And over the next 24 to 48 hours, what ended up happening for me was I would just be constantly thinking about water. 
but it took me a few years of visiting them to be like, oh yeah, I probably should like drink more water on the flight. I should probably remind my in-laws, hey, could you bring some water bottles for us <laughs> in the car to have on the way there, on the way home rather, to be sure that we have enough. But it took a while to kind of realize to preemptively just like take care of myself and my family to be able to not constantly have to play catch up. But what I noticed is the first couple days, I would be so thirsty and so thirsty that I would be thinking about water all of the time. I also would be craving it. Like it was the thing that I was like, ooh, I want to have some water. Ooh, I want to have some water. And it was like, I want some cold water. It didn't even matter if it was like in the middle of the winter there or in the summer. I was like, I just want to have water. I was craving it constantly. And what I also noticed um, after finally getting like more consistent water was that it wasn't just that I would drink the same amount that I would at home. It was actually, I needed more. And I needed more for a while, pretty much the whole trip there. And even when I got home, back to where my more human climate, it was still on my mind. And it wasn't that I was obsessed with water. I'm sure that's not what you're saying right now. Oh, Julie, you were just obsessed with water. What you probably would call that is, oh yeah, you were dehydrated. That's because uh, my body was not getting enough fluid. It wasn't used to a drier climate and literally woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me to drink water. (laughs) And again, I wasn't obsessed with water. I was dehydrated. Hold on to this example with water. And I'm going to move to another example. Those of you who are longtime listeners of the Love Food Podcast and have been with me the last five or six years, may recall how much I used to talk about sleep the first year I did this podcast. I talked about it a lot. I was in the process of raising tiny humans and the primary caregiver. And those of you who have been caregivers for tiny humans, you may recall that sleep can be not predictable and newborns and toddlers need to wake up a lot. Sometimes it's to eat. Sometimes it's for comfort. Sometimes it's just because. (laughs) And that can be hard on the primary caregiver. I know for me, um, I've always needed more sleep. And I think for most of us, having like six, eight, nine hours straight of sleep is really beneficial and important and life-giving. And when we have people at home that are waking us up, it can get in the way for sure. And I, of course, would vent about this on my podcast and you got to hear about it. You may notice that I don't talk about it as much. My youngest is now eight, almost nine. So um, my sleep is a lot more predictable. And so I'm not talking about it as much. But something that I can easily connect with, especially with my first firstborn, was that when my firstborn woke up three or four times a night, which was normal for the first couple years, and then as she got a little bit older, it was one or two times a night until she was about almost five years old, I noticed that I thought about sleep a lot. That's why you heard about it a lot on my podcast. 
I thought about sleep a lot. I talked about sleep a lot. I craved sleep a lot. And when I finally got a break, when my partner could help more, or if I got away for a few days, I didn't just sleep my normal seven, eight hours. No, I slept in (laughs) and I took a nap. And it wasn't just that I could catch up over that one short little vacation. It took a long time. It took a long time to catch up on the sleep. And when I finally did get a chance to sleep, again, I didn't just sleep my typical amount. I had to sleep more. And it did take time to recover. It probably took a good year of consistent sleep for me to not be as obsessed with it. And I say obsessed with quotes because it wasn't an obsession. I, I can appreciate even hearing what you would be saying in response. It's like, no, Julia, you weren't obsessed with sleep. You were sleep deprived. Yeah, I was sleep deprived. Anybody who has been a caregiver for a young person or someone who needs you to take care of them can totally relate to that. And it wasn't an obsession with sleep. It was a lack of sleep because we need sleep in order to be a human. (laughs) We need sleep in order to survive and to be alive and to, to function. What if we were not getting enough oxygen? I know it's scary to think about. So if you don't want to hear this part, just forward ahead a couple 30 seconds. <laughs> but, you know, if someone is in the swimming pool and not able to get enough oxygen or just for whatever reason, maybe just coughing or something like that. And when we finally get enough air, do we breathe like we normally would? No, we gasp. We take big, deep breaths in. And for a few minutes or maybe even a few days, We may be thinking more about breathing because we were lacking oxygen. It wasn't that we're obsessed with it. I know after going through, uh, let's see, dehydration, sleep deprivation, and lack of breathing, or what do we call that? Oxygen withdrawal. You're getting the point here. When we don't meet the basic needs for life, We go through these really predictable kind of experiences where there's an increased craving, where our brain is thinking more about it. We need more of it afterwards, and it takes time to recover. Remember those four things. This is the same experience that those of you who refer to yourself as an addict with food will experience. Those of you who are considering yourself an emotional eater may also connect with those experiences. Anyone who's dieted, maybe you're in the middle of a diet or you've chronically dieted or you just have dieted for a long time, you may experience these four things too. You notice you're craving it more. Your mind is thinking about food nonstop. When you do eat, when you have a momentary kind of, you have a moment of permission to eat, you're going to eat more than you normally do. And you're going to eat more than you normally do for a while, for a long time, more than you probably think you do need in order to recover. This is really important to hold on to because this is information, again, that the world does not teach us about food. Somehow food has become this like frivolous or gluttonous kind of basic need 
It's not considered a basic need. It's also considered to be kind of pious or closer to some kind of God or spirituality or goodness to have less than. That is something that is super complicated for your relationship with food. This is something that's really fucking it up. And I want you to hold on to these tenets that Kathy Cater has taught me, that we do have these five basic needs as a human, air, water, warmth, sleep, and food. And if we don't meet these five basic needs, we're going to have predictable outcomes. We're going to crave more of them. We're going to be thinking about them a lot. We're going to need more than ever before once we do start to have it. And it's going to take a long time to recover, longer than we think it's going to take. Because our body wants us to be alive. It wants us to survive. It wants us to meet these basic needs. And so for you, letter writer, you're not a failure. You're not like abusing some system. Your body and your mind are trying to help you survive. And you've been given these tools and these false truths that told you that by eating enough And eating in a way that maybe feels like abundant, but it really is just enough, is this gluttonous thing that it really should be controlled. If it should be filled with shoulds, and it shouldn't be. That's a lot of shoulds all at once. But but honestly, the more we connect with these, these feelings of, oh my gosh, I'm addicted to food as no. I'm just doing what my physiology is telling me to do. You know, getting annoyed with the cravings to eat, getting annoyed with the need to recover with food, and however our body chooses to recover. For most people, recovering from diet culture or restriction or an eating disorder is going to include weight gain, whether you think you need it or not. For most people, that's a part of what is needed to happen. Weight gain is life and it's recovery. And I know our our world teaches us to hate that. And I wish we could help the world understand that hating this recovery process, again, it's this like these four predictable kind of experiences that as humans, we're all gonna have Hating that is like hating mitosis in the Krebs cycle. If you're not familiar with those terms, don't worry about it. (laughs) But those are just like part of our physiology, like how our body's just wired to, you know, continue to, to be alive and use energy and continue the process to stay human and a a human that's alive. So letter writer, I wish there was a way that we can untangle the either identity or morality or love for yourself. And when I mean when I mean love, I don't mean like a narcissistic love. I mean just um, a love, like a self-love that is, I don't know, just more consistent with self-esteem and holding yourself with gentleness and tenderness. But I wish there was a way we could untangle that from the thin ideal and what 
the world is teaching us currently about how we as humans should live. I wish there was a way for you, letter writer, and for you, the listener, to put down the weapons against your body and against things like these normal cravings that evolution has put into our body to keep us alive. And I wish there was a way that you could stop fighting it and find support to stop fighting it. If you can relate to this episode's letter, I hope you can connect with support to untangle your relationship with food and your body and the thin ideal so you can have more permission to respect these five basic needs, to respect your need for food, however that's going to look, as messy as it's going to look in the recovery process, just like breathing, just like needing for sleep and for warmth. If you have trouble giving yourself that permission, however you can access some more support, I hope you have permission to do that. I know not everyone has access to working with an individual dietitian or a doctor or a therapist, and I have some links in the show notes to finding resources in regards to that. And if you do have access to it, you may find you need it sometimes, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. And even if you do describe yourself as a food addict, again, I don't want to argue with that. It's going to feel like that, and I don't know all the answers. But I do know that it's really hard for me to describe a relationship with food as an addiction when food is one of those five basic needs as a human. So until you're meeting all of your needs and you're giving yourself unconditional permission to eat and recover, until then, I hope you can put a pin on calling it that or just put it in a place kind of like lowering the tab on the computer, like minimizing that window just for now as you practice permission. I could go on and on about this, but I see that food is written back. So let's get to food sledder. But before we get to that, this episode of a love food podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and food peace course. Remember just for the next few days, the month of February, it is 30% off using the coupon code love 2021 at checkout. You can get to all the details at PCOS and If you enjoyed this episode of the love food podcast, I would love it. If you left a rating a review subscribed or shared the episode doing any of those four acts of kindness really helps the show grow. And I appreciate it in advance. So thank you for joining me today and keep in mind, I will not be releasing episodes during the month of March, but I will be back in April and I look forward to connecting with you then until next time. Take care. Dear girl who needs help, you are not broken. You are not weak. You were led to believe ideas about food in your body that has tangled up your permission to eat. Your body is on your side. We wish you knew your food obsession, cravings, and addicted feelings were coming from your normal, predictable physiology. Your wiring is keeping you alive, and you're a successful human. 
Let's get to work to untangle your permission to eat with a thin ideal. Let's redefine eating enough. Let's consider weight gain as a good, healthy thing. The world may not reinforce this, yet your body will let you know. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.